everyone. Welcome to another episode of A Word About Wealth, a podcast where we tackle the often complicated world of money and finance. My name is Kevin. And this is Van. What we do here on this podcast is take a common sense approach to all things money. We'll do our best to define concepts, give some examples, and just have a casual conversation about money and finance. Our ultimate goal here is to help you build wealth. It is important to note that we are not financial advisors, nor do we pretend to be. What we share in this podcast must be taken as general education and general, sorry, general education and financial entertainment, and must not be misconstrued as official financial advice. That is correct. Yeah, got a little tongue tongue tied there. <laughs> hey, can't blame anybody. How's it going, my friend? It's going well. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Um, how about yourself? Yeah, not too uh, not too shabby. The weather is getting real hot. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely getting uh, steamy in here. I actually have my daughter laying next to me because yeah, we're recording this pretty late and she's been waiting for me to go to bed. So, uh-huh. I, I am a, I'm a really bad dad <laughs> right now. You're a bad dad, man. Just kidding. Yeah, terribly. Well, man, you know, th- today's topic is quite um, depressing, but... You know, it was necessary. <laughs> right, man? <laughs> what are we going to be talking about today? We're talk- going to be talking about living will and trust. So, uh, again, actually, we should have updated our disclaimer saying that we're not lawyers either. So, <laughs> we're only going oh, to explain this to the, best of, um, to the best of our abilities here. But yes, I have to say that the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because it's actually kind of fresh in my mind because uh, my wife and mm-hmm. I actually up- uh, recently updated our uh, living will and trust and the reason why we did that which was a little bit overdue is because we wanted to add our second kid eleanor to that we also had a new uh, layoff and uh, not layoff we had a new home and all that and then i think i told you about like with my work i have that mm-hmm. hyatt legal plan that allows us to do right. like these type of legal things like really cheaply and at the time you know i think back in march we had like a massive layoff and i was like well I should get this done before, like, if I get potentially laid off. So, yeah, this is the reason why we kind of got to it. Yeah, and it's very timely, too. I know we have put this episode off for a little bit, but um, I actually yeah. had just spoken to my uh, legal counsel for uh, who handles uh, a lot of our our living will and really had a discussion because we hadn't reviewed it in, I think, a couple years now. And we mm-hmm. needed to add in uh, my daughter. What do we call her in this in this show? I don't remember. I'm gonna say Melody. <laughs> Melody. Okay. We'll, we'll, Melody. We'll go with that. We'll go with Melody. Melody. <laughs> we'll go with Melody. Melody. But yeah, so we need to do that. And I had talked to my lawyer um, just I want to say about three weeks ago. So I know it's funny. This episode came up. I'm I'm literally drafting an email and be like, Hey, where's this? Where's the edits that we talked about? Because uh, I oh, hadn't funny. seen the most updated recent ones. But, and I have to say my experience with this, um, I give a lot of credit to Van because this was something that Van had told me. I remember Van. I don't know if you remember. You told me hmm. right after, uh, I think, either right after I proposed or right after I got married. I remember Van came up to me. He says, you got to get your, your uh, living will started. Now, now is the right time to do it. <laughs> like in the middle of your wedding, yeah. in the middle of your uh, yeah. home buying process. <laughs> hey. You know, man's uh, man's finances never takes a day off, man. Okay, <laughs> this ain't the U.S. Postal Service. Okay, you don't take Sundays off. I think I gave somebody that same like advice while he was getting married, and he, he did not take it the same way you did. Let's put it that oh, way. Oh, he didn't. <laughs> I took a very practical advice. Yeah, well, he was looking at. We're trying to celebrate the best days of our lives here, and you're telling <laughs> yeah. us I need to prepare for our deaths and. 
Yeah, thanks a lot, Jerk. Yeah, but you know, honestly though, Van, I don't know if it's the same for you. Uh, you know, I, I actually, I feel like a lot of the people I know don't have one um, right. because they didn't think that this is something that they need to think about. So you know, like literally right when you got married, maybe that's a good time to think about it. I didn't think about it. I don't even think I would have thought about it had I not known that it was something you and your wife had done around that time, if not earlier. And uh, so it was always, for me, I was like, oh yeah, this is something we need to do. But I, you know, I'm, I, I, I would bet there's a lot of people listening today and they're like, whoa, I need to do that now, you know? So mm-hmm. why don't we, why don't we jump into it, Van? Can you kind of talk to us like, what is a living will? Maybe we need to do some definitions first. Right. The title of this episode is talking about living will and trust. So those are actually two separate things. So I think a lot of folks think that they're basically one and the same thing because it's mm-hmm. kind of synonymously kind of said at the same time, like in the same sentence so often. So yes. it kind of people think it's the same thing, but they're actually two different things. So so the living will is really just instructions while you're being put under life support. So let's say that you cannot feed yourself, you can't breathe on your own, you are unable to communicate. You can basically uh, provide instructions to allow your family members to make decisions for you while you're still alive. Mm-hmm. So that is something mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, so that is like kind of a technicality there. It's like, that's why it's called a living will because you're, you're, you're basically still alive. Right. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> and you're, you may hear like another term called last will and testament. And that's something that yes. kind of gets bundled in as well. And this last will and testament is really what everybody thinks of what a will is. So it basically is instructions after you are dead. So basically, you know, after you die, um, you, these are a set of instructions on how you want to split your assets with your heirs, um, you know, whether you have like a house or family heirlooms, uh, guardianship with your kids and all that. So it's yep. really just, it's just kind of depends on living will is when you're alive and last will and testament is instructions after you're dead. Mm, that's a good distinction. I feel like most people, including myself, I think would we'd be mixing up a li- you just call it living will and, and trust or whatever. And you're just kind of like, oh, okay. You know, it's all the same. Mm, interesting. Right. Because even in my packet of living will, I, I have a section called the last will and testament as well. And that's really, that's pretty much where it, all that instructions are provided, right? So, it's kind of, yeah. that's why, you know, nobody really says like living will, trust, and last will and testament either. <laughs> but it's kind of, you know, when you go to your lawyer or you go to your legal um, person that does all this stuff, they should be able to set all this stuff for you and explain all this. But exactly in this episode, you know, that, that's kind of our, in a nutshell, that's what living will and, and last will and testaments are. Very cool. Well, then why don't we define, can you help us define what a trust is then? Right. So, a trust is a little bit different. So, uh, it's actually much different. Um, so, a trust is really a relationship where your property, investments, and real, and other assets are held for, held by one party for the benefits of another party. So, um, <laughs> in English, basically, it's... it's um, Think of uh, the trust as really a legal entity that you transfer all your assets into, right? For instance, when I open up my trust, like basically all of a lot of my assets, like my bank accounts, my all of the uh, my property and my the home I live in and all that, it never it doesn't say like property of Van Doe anymore, right? It really Mm -hmm. the property name is under the under my trust name instead because I technically set all basically change all of the ownership from my name to this trust. 
Now, basically, when it's under the trust, you have to set somebody, I think it's called like a trust managed by a trustee. And usually the trustee right. is either yourself or your spouse there. So basically, right. you know, from day to day purposes, it's like this is really transparent. It's kind of the same thing as owning it yourself. But from a legal standpoint, technically, all your assets are under this trust and you are really just the one who is managing that trust in a way you're kind of like a proxy to uh, yeah. to these uh, real assets. So let's 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 pause right there, Van. Let's break this down. Sure. So what you're saying is a trust is becomes its own entity. So let's let's first say let's just use uh, your, you, right? Let's say the Van mm-hmm. Trust. Okay, we call it right. that's your name of the trust, right? So what you're gonna do, what you're saying is we would put all of your assets, transfer it from you, Van the person, to Van the Trust, right? Move right. it all into the trust, and then that trust would need people who would be managing it, which is what you're saying is the trustee. Um, And you're saying most people would do themselves or your wife, right? Well, you should, right? Because otherwise you can't, you wouldn't have access to it. Yeah. So you didn't put um, like what? (laughs) I mean, you technically can, Uh, you could, I mean, under, under your trust, you can set whoever you want under the, uh, as a trustee. But I mean, generally people use themselves as the trustee while they're still living. Gotcha. And then in the notes here, you put trustee successors. What are those? Right. So the successor is all it is, is really just so God forbid, like you and your spouse die. Right. And um, right. basically, these are the people that you tr- that you quote unquote trust to manage mm-hmm. the uh, these entities, these assets um, gotcha. after you die. So in general, it's usually like a family member or somebody that you really I keep saying trust. It sounds like I'm saying a bunch of puns, but I trust me, I'm not. <laughs> but but in any case, it's really just kind of somebody who takes over the trust after you die is a successor. Gotcha. It, all that is. Gotcha. Okay. And then, and then there's also something called a living trust as well. So a living trust is really just a trust while you're still alive. Actually, I take that back. It's a living trust is. I'm going to renege what I just said. A living trust is really, it's all your assets under um, the trust while you're alive and after you're dead. Because remember, even after you're dead, the trust is still there. The, right. success, oh, the right. trustee successor right. is the one who's going to take care of it after you're dead. So that, that's why it's gotcha. still a living trust. Got it. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Some, some lawyer is going to like email us and school us. <laughs> yeah. This. I should send <laughs> this to my legal counsel and be like, hey, what do you think yeah. about this? Yeah. Okay. Now, I know that because we, you know, personal experience with trust, I know trusts have both revocable and irrevocable. So, talk to us about what that means. Like, can I just, like, what if now that, you know, Van the Trust owns everything, are you saying I can't change it after that? You know, like, what, what, is, what are kind of the, the rules and requirements or, or regulations uh, pertaining to trusts? That's actually a really good question. So you're right. There, there are. Uh, my understanding is that there's really there are two types of trust. So the first one is called a revocable mm-hmm. trust, and the revocable yes. trust it really is just sounds exactly as it is. Um, it allows you to maintain certain rights to your trust, and it can be altered or canceled at any time during your lifetime. And it's really generally used when you're still able to make like uh, good sound decisions. So like you can make your, you're basically don't rely on other people to make the decisions for you. Right now, my wife and I, we do have a revocable trust in that sense. And I'm assuming you mm. do too, right, Kevin? Correct. Yep. It basically, you can still make decisions and adjustments to it. Exactly. So, I mean, you could update this like every month or every few years and all that is perfectly fine. I mean, you may not want to do it every month because of the cost, but 
Uh, regardless, it's, it's your option to do that. Now, and there's something called an irrevocable trust, which is, is exactly sounds like that, where it cannot be altered. You also give up a lot of rights. And really, it's generally only used when you want to move assets out of your own control to someone that you actually trust. If you're like not in your, the right mind and you need like the extra somebody to help you with that, then you can decide to move it to ir- irrevocable trust. That said, I believe you can also set the trustee to the person that you want to manage it anyway. So in a way, it becomes a revocable trust. But I think if once you become irrevocable, my assumption is that uh, maybe I shouldn't even say that because I'm not a lawyer by any means, but one would assume that person can sign everything for you on your behalf once you put it under irrevocable. But then again, that's kind of my assumption. I'm not I'm not exactly sure on that. Yeah, but like broad brushstrokes, though, you know, revocable can still be adjusted irrevocable really is just the opposite of that right so it's really exactly kind of in some way set in stone okay well great so now we've kind of set the table for that i'm going to ask you to kind of give the same spiel that you had given to me right which which is (laughs) for the people that are listening i mean you know if you're you know younger you know maybe you just got married you know like why think about this now right so Share the gospel, my friend. Like, why have a living will? Why have? Why should anybody think about having a will and testament at this point in time? You know, it's funny because I've been trying to get like my parents to get one, and they always kind of scoff at it. Like, what you want us to die? And I'm like, no, oh, like I'm, <laughs> I don't want you to die. I just want to make sure that you know everything goes smoothly. Like, if in the event something happens, because the fact of the matter is, life happens. You don't know when you're going to end up in a hospital. And it's, I mean, this is something, this is something that there's no way you can really plan for, right? I mean, if it happens, it happens. And it's unfortunate, but it, you don't want to be in a situation that it happens and you have all this mess that you have to deal with in the wake of you dying and all that. So, well, and, and Van, sorry, before I didn't mean to cut you off, but maybe can you kind of just tell people, like, in the absence of a will, what is the biggest common issue? Right. With why is this such a, a big thing? Like you just kind of, kind of alluded to, like you don't want this, these, this mess of stuff to happen. Like, can you talk to us a little bit about what are some of those common things that usually happen? Yeah, for sure. So, like, for instance, let's say, like, you are uh, in a hospital and there's no way for you to communicate or you're like, yeah. you know, induced coma and all that stuff, right? Sure. Yeah. If you don't have a living will and uh, you don't have a spouse or somebody who, or somebody who can make, like legal decisions for yeah, you. You the, haven't designated hospital, anybody, right? Yeah. Like the hus- the hospital will definitely, it w- may have to take the decision for you, even if you don't, if you yourself don't want it. So in a way, it, it also takes a burden away from your family to make those hard decisions because let's say like, it's like a life or death decision. Obviously, you, a lot of times you want to, for most people, you want to make sure that you're respecting the wishes of the person whose life is at stake. But if you have the living will, then, you know, the instructions are there to tell them what you yeah. need to do, like whether you pull life support and all that stuff. Basically, by having the living will, you really designate someone to, that you really trust to make those health decisions on your behalf, right? So, yeah. I think, uh, and you really don't want a third party to <laughs> to make those decisions because no. <laughs> it definitely may go against your own interests and all that, right? Right. And in some ways, you, you want the decision-making power, right? That it right. really ensures that you protect that decision-making power. 
Exactly. And and in fact, it matters. You really want to be in a good state of mind to do this because I know a lot of people put this off and all that, right? But if you had like a good afternoon to kind of sit down and figure all this stuff out, it's a lot better to do it while instead of you being under the knife and, you know, somebody has to do like a life or death decision right then and there and like kind of flipping a coin and all that. You don't want to put that type of burden on anybody. So do everybody a solid and, you know, create a living will (laughs) so that that way you don't have to put that pressure on them. Yeah. Exactly. That's actually really your point. Like, who, you know, you don't really want to put, some people don't want to make that decision. You know, they want to know exactly. what you want them to make. It's challenging when you don't have a set of instructions to some degree. Um, Van, what about, you know, you hear a lot of the movies, you know, you hear those nasty court battles about, you know, what that grandpa wanted, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> they have like 10 kids or whatever, like, and it's so unclear, like, what is it about, you know, ensuring that you have that laid out that that avoids that? Like, what happens when you don't have something like that? Yeah. So, with the, so now you're going into the, um, the importance of the last will and testament. So, with this one, the main thing is you want to make sure that you don't, you don't really want the courts to make the decision on how to divide up your money, right? So, if you had like a written, everything written up, I mean, you, you may piss off some people <laughs> even well in, you know, after you died because some people may think that uh, they, get, they got cheated and all that. But, but the bottom line is that, you know, you get to split the assets the way you want to. And it really, in a way, it helps to settle some disputes amongst your family so that way they don't, you know, spend years fighting this in courts. Whereas, you know, because if you have your last will and testament, everything is written right there. So there's nothing to really contest beyond that, right? It also sets all the parameters and conditions that you really, you're, the executor can distribute the wealth and all that too. So what it does is it just, it just allows somebody to follow the instructions that you have after you die to, you know, split all exactly. everything. So that way, it goes exactly where you want it to go. It may be, it may piss off some other people as well because. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I depends. mean, that's a whole nother set of um, family political, um, family politics. Right. But then like in that case, you wouldn't really have a legal battle with that, right? Because if, if exactly. even you felt exactly. cheated, it's not like you can like yep. lawyer up some more. <laughs> yep. It's just more of like hurt feelings and emotions and all that. But legally, there's no, it's pretty clear, right? And I know in talking to my lawyer, like if things do go to, to the court, uh, it's costly too, right? Absolutely. I mean, just getting a, a court to settle that, it's a pain in the butt. Like, you know, they're going to have to interview people. They're going to spend time. So, it just is not a smart thing to be caught in the situation without having it. If you think about like, you know, if you spend months or even years um, battling is out, I mean, you're, you're basically be destroying a bunch of relationships as well, right? I mean, you're not like Thanksgiving that year is never going to be the same again because of all the fighting and all that. So, I mean, this is just something. Think about all the Thanksgivings. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know sure. where I went there, but <laughs> maybe, yeah, it's, it's almost, yeah, I know it's almost midnight, <laughs> but so that this, no, my, my no, brain I, goes into weird, weird things. <laughs> I need you to bring us across the finish line. What about living trust, man? All right, living trust. All right, so... Definitely, you know, big one. This one is absolutely big. So, the main thing about living trust is it it avoids something called probate where the court Mm -hmm. decides how your assets should be distributed and um, it avoids court supervised guardianship. Let's say you don't have... uh, You have like two living heirs and all that. 
the court's going to have to decide how to split that up. From the outset, it could be they'll just split it down the middle, but you could have one heir that took care of you like for quite a bit towards the end of your life, whereas the other one didn't do anything. So it's not really fair to give both kids like the same amount in that case, right? But in any case, you really want to avoid this because probate does take a long time to settle. And uh, I actually do have a, uh, hopefully a quick story that I can tell people sure. of uh, an example. A really good friend of mine, years ago, his dad had passed away and his dad definitely didn't have anything under a trust or anything like that. So all of his retirement assets, all of his his homes, bank accounts and all that went towards probate. During this time, the probate took, I think, I want to say it took me definitely more than a year, but I don't know if it took quite 18 months. But during that time, my friend actually had to continue paying the mortgages on you know, not only his house, but his dad's house. And basically paid that up until the probate ended and that property was awarded to my friend. But imagine if he didn't have the assets to really pay all that, like basically they would have either one sold the house or two might have been going under foreclosure and all that. And you know, there would have been a lot of assets that would have been lost if he wasn't diligent about that. That's one thing to keep in mind is, uh, you know, it, it's not probate is not only long, but it's also very expensive. Now, had the house been under the trust and he had a living will uh, and testament and, you know, and all that stuff, it would have been a much shorter process and it would have been very clear cut on how this property would have been and all the assets would have been yeah. uh, split you know, with with the heirs and all that. And fortunately, he was an only child. So, you know, it, there wasn't a lot of contention mm, and all that. But yeah. but he but in any case, um, I mean, even with a single child, like it still took a long time <laughs> to, to settle this in court. And imagine if you had two kids, um, it, it would have been even probably even longer than that. So just keep that in mind for everybody there. Yeah, just just get it done. Like, that's the way I see yeah. it. Avoid this. Even I know it's going to be costly and we'll talk about that, but still, um, it's going to be worth it in the long run. Um, what else, Van? Like, what else does this protect? I've also read that um, the living trust can actually take place of your last will and testament. So, I think, uh, okay. you know, I think that that's sense. one of the main reasons yep. why they go uh, hand in hand. Um, and yes. another thing is it can also protect you from your kids. So, imagine this, like if... You had like a let's let's assume that you have a pretty big sum of money, right, Kevin? And um, mm-hmm. let's say like if you, that amount of money, let's say like uh, let's say unfortunately you pass away and your wife pass away and you only have your kid left and you know at eighteen years old they you know inherit all this money, right? right. What do you think that eighteen year old is going to do with all that money? Like I mean, that's just donate to charity. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's probably not the worst case scenario, (laughs) but in in many cases, it could be like really bad, right? So, in most cases, you can set up a a trustees to basically manage that fund until the kids are of age or are, you know, uh, what they call fit uh, for that inheritance. Because, you know, you don't really want to give this type of money to somebody who is under substance abuse or drugs and all that stuff, right? So, that's something... that you want to protect from. Let's see, another point I want to do is it is a private document. So once a will goes through, like, so for instance, once a will goes through probate, a will will not avoid you going through probate, but a, a trust will avoid going through probate. But once a will goes through probate, all the contents of that will becomes public information and, um, you know, could, they could potentially provide a list of all the assets there. Whereas the trust is the private, um, is private. So it won't, uh, my understanding, it won't do that. And then the mm, last point yeah. uh, benefit here, let's here is um, the living trust could actually reduce some estate taxes as well. So that's I'm, I'm not sure if the next president is going to uphold that one, but as of right now, there there are some tax savings. The potential for tax yeah. savings with living using a living trust. Right. So a lot of good overall seems like a lot of good reasons to do so. I mean. I guess, you know, we talked about just before kind of going into the, you know, why do we need it? I guess who really needs one? 
you know, I kind of shared the story of, you know, I was pretty, uh, I was in my late 20s when I got married and yeah. we did it right away. Is that the right time? Was it way too early? You know, or my friends, right, who don't have one, you know, they're saying, hey, it's not something I think about until I'm retirement age. You know, wh- who needs one? I mean, I would say anybody, but still. I would say first and foremost is some anybody who has underage kids. Um, I think that's really the mm-hmm. most like important part because the main thing is you want to make sure that they're well taken care of and you want to make sure that you have somebody in mind who, who can take care of them and all that. And you don't want the courts to decide who will take care of your kids either, right? So, I think that is probably the most important time to do that is if you have underage kids. Even if you don't have kids, I would say anybody who has property or have a really a decent amount of assets so that way the courts doesn't decide where the property goes i would say if generally if you have low assets or any, anything like that um like you know you could push this off and all that because it's not entirely important but if you have kids though if you have low assets you should still have this just because that way you can decide who your kids go to um in the event that you you pass away yeah no i think that makes sense which it seems like this would cover a lot of people because most people will have some level of assets um, that ideally again it's it's about the ability to make that decision i guess that's the way i see it what about cost wise man you know how much does this cost on average i guess assuming we're talking a fairly straightforward one you know not something like that's crazy you know have a huge estate or anything like that but you know what what, are, what is that going to put someone back Right. So, um, I don't think this is something that's typically something done cheap. I mean, I think you can go to like LegalZoom to get uh, knock one out for a few hundred bucks. But me personally, I don't know how good those are. So, uh, generally, I've uh, typically gone through attorneys to do this. And based on my research, it seems like it's uh, it could cost anywhere between 1500 to $2,500 on average to create yeah. a living will and trust. So That sounds about right. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Just around that time. Yeah. And mine was, you know, at the time pretty straightforward even though we have the family business and all that 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 i don't own any of that you know so for me it was basically my house and you know some of our assets and then um at the time you know melody was not born yet so we were saying you know we just had to put placeholders there say you know basically once we have a child it would all go to the child so it was very straightforward in many ways so so yeah about but it took about two grand or so I was actually kind of shocked when you told me that price originally because one thing that I would say for everybody to do is uh, if you may want to check your company to see if they provide any kind of legal plan. So, like, for instance, the company I work for provide a a legal plan through Hyatt, which basically provides you a network of um, attorneys that you can contact to get the living will and trust created. And the fees on it was really low for me. So, that's why when you told me that you spent about two grand on it, I was like, oh, crap, that's quite a a bit. But whereas for our legal plan, I think uh, we I pay like... I mean, every paycheck is about like $7, 7 or 8 bucks uh, per paycheck. So, let's say between 16 and 14 and 16 bucks per month. Mm-hmm. You know, when I went in to, uh, to, do the, uh, to do all this, I mean, the only thing I had to pay for was the city filing, which was like 20 bucks. But other than the premiums and that 20 bucks, I didn't pay anything at all, uh, anything else beyond that. So, it was a, a really good deal in that case. But yeah. regardless, personally, I think that's always a good plan to have because you never know when you're going to need legal assistance as well so it definitely helps when um, you have like a whole network of lawyers to contact if you have or need some kind of questions or help and all that but in any case these legal plans are excellent to use for living will and trust yeah i think the idea that like having that legal thing 
is so cool, I have to say, as a benefit. I have to say, though, you're not going to get like somebody like from Harvard University <laughs> or like you know, somebody who's like top grade and all that. But I always say like, you know, for doing a legal, um, this type of document, you don't really need any somebody that elite. Let's put it that way. But right. yeah, so for it, these type of plans are great for just like uh, general like uh, attorney help. But I mean, if you were like, if you were going to be convicted for like a murder or something like that, then I think you should pony up for <laughs> something yeah. else. But uh, man, that, that went real dark <laughs> real quick. Yeah, uh, man. You know what? This is, did, you, did you really need to go there? My goodness. <laughs> I'm just yeah, but I, I'm, I'm telling you like, uh, you know, when it gets late, I, my mind goes into some weird spots. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Well, then uh, to wrap up here, I guess, you know, what are some general tips? I guess someone who is like, okay, cool. You convinced me in listening to this episode. I got to get started. I found a lawyer, but are there certain pitfalls I need to, I guess, look out for? Things that I need to prep beforehand to minimize potentially the hours that I might need to spend you know, hiring a lawyer, you know, because they charge by the hour. You know, what are some things that right. you think um, is good for someone to think about before they uh, decide to go forward with it? Okay. Yeah. So, I think the main thing here is I would say the first general tip is really to talk to your spouse about this, right? And really have a strategy and and how you want to accomplish all this. Because, for instance, if you want, you're talking about kids guardianship. I mean, your spouse may have like a certain idea and you, um, you <laughs> yeah. yourself may have a different idea and all that, right? And you have to really think about who you really trust to take care of your kids and all that. So, that's something yeah. that you need to figure out. And even before that, you would ha- also have to agree with your spouse who you think the successor of the trustee would be. And my wife and I actually spent quite a bit of time to discuss this because we were like, well, you know, if we're both gone, we actually have you and, and uh, your wife be the successors to our trust and all that. So, we actually designate you for, you know, the guardian. So, I, th- I think we told you that, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny, man. Yes, you did tell us. <laughs> yes, but in any case, let's say like, you know, I don't have any heirs and all that. And then at that point, because I think it was pretty natural for us to like think of you two for, uh, to, you know, yep. to be our trustees and to, to take care of our kids because, you know, we, we trust you like, yep. you know, um, like no other people. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, but let's say we don't have any heirs at all. Like, you know, let's say our kids are deceased yep. as well or something like that. Then at that yep. point, it became kind of like interesting to figure out like, okay, who, how do we want to do that? And it, in that case, yeah. we decided to to just kind of split the assets between like right in the middle and half of it right. goes to my family, half of it goes to my wife's family and all that. And, that makes you know, sense. those are the type of things you have to kind of talk about to, before you even go to the lawyer's office because yeah. unless so the, the attorney is like very like patient with you and all that, generally whenever... I go to these uh, sessions, it's like they kind of expect you to know everything already exactly. before you get there. And yep. if you ask them questions, yep. they're like, yeah. gosh, like, you know, <laughs> what are you? What are you, an idiot? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, it's good to kind of know a lot of this stuff. I mean, which kind of sucks too because so like you, you're kind of going through this process for the first time and you kind yeah. of expect them to also kind of lead you through, like kind of hold your hand through yeah. it because, you know, we're, yeah. we didn't go to like Harvard Law to learn all this stuff, you know. Right, so, exactly. But it's regardless, it's still, I think there's plenty of information out there to know what you need to do. So, I think it's yeah. probably better just to be educated. So, that way, you know, you know that they're not creating a crappy one for you as well, right? Yeah, that's really good advice. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, just needing to have that conversation. And man, you talked to, I remember we, we spoke about this uh, in one of the episodes way back when about finances and family, about how when you are making decisions for your family, it needs to be a conversation, right? With your spouse, especially. And your spouse doesn't necessarily need to be 
like as gung ho as you are, but you need to give them some notice. And I can't imagine this even being more important than talking about who's going to take care of your kids. Like like you better talk to your spouse. (laughs) You certainly shouldn't be making that decision on yourself. Both my wife and I are, we're both very engineering mindsetted and very pragmatic. So like talking about debts doesn't really bother us as much, you know, as other people. But I know some, a lot of, some of my other friends, like, you know, it's a very emotional process. Right. And I think, um, and, and when it becomes emotional, like you tend to try to avoid it or you tend to like Mm -hmm. basically make it like, you know, it's hard to make a logical like decision on all these things, right? So, yeah. I think like you just have to kind of take it easy and take you know, like kind of talk it through and kind of make it as comfortable as possible on this because the fact of the matter is, I think this is something very important and I think it's definitely something you don't want to rush through for sure because you want to make Absolutely. sure that you have decision. And, and even if you and even if you think you made a mistake the first time around, I mean, because it's a revocable, you can always go back and change it as well. So, exactly. Not all of this is ironclad until until you say it is. And then, man, I saw you have a note here about life insurance. Do you want to kind of right. talk about that as well? Yeah. So, I, I listed here. So, um, basically, you know, make sure to have um, a life insurance policy to cover any costs for like funeral, court, taking care of your kids and all that stuff. Because I feel like it's definitely irresponsible of some people who say like, okay, Kevin, if I die, you have to take care of my kids. But there's, but I'm not giving you any kind of monet- yeah. uh, any kind of like <laughs> assistance to help you with that, right? If you have a life insurance policy, it would really help out the people who are going to take care of your kids. You really give them the resources to let, allow them to do that, right? Because if I can imagine if I just threw a, like two kids on t- on top of you, on top of your one kid, like, I mean, some yeah. one person may have to quit their job to take care of all three kids or something like that. Sure. And I think that life insurance policy will not only, you know, help with that, but also help supplement a lot of the other costs uh, of raising kids. I mean, eventually they're going to have to eat, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah. and, you know, buy clothes and all that stuff. It's just, uh, to me, it's just make, it's just very responsible to have a life insurance policy for the people who taking care of your kids. Yeah. No, that's great tips, Ben. I think, um, you know, I, I have to say, I wasn't looking forward to this episode, but I uh, certainly thought, you know, now that I'm through it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember why this is so important and why we wanted to make this an episode, because I really feel like this is a misconception, I guess. Um, and while it's not directly related to finance, it has a big impact on your finances, right? Um, absolutely just not in the short term but hopefully the long term but i just i just know so many people who i i I don't think they even think about this and so i'm glad uh you put this as a topic because i think people can really you know ultimately you have to make your own decision if you want to do it you know we're not going to force you (laughs) but Mm -hmm. you know at least you have the facts of what is some good reasoning behind why you might want to think about it right absolutely it's definitely not a fun topic to talk about, but I think it's necessary. And you read a lot of stories about it's heartbreaking when the court has to make these decisions and it's like against like common sense, you know, or against like what the, the family wishes are and all that. It's not that, uh, you know, once you get it started, it's not that bad of a process to do. It's just I think the biggest hurdle really is getting into the mindset that this is what we need to do. And maybe even coming up with the money to do that. But again, like if you can go through, you know, there are low cost ways of doing it, like going through legal zoom and all that. And I think even that should is much better than having nothing. Exactly. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, better than not having it. Right. So, well, great, Van. Thanks for walking us through that. And, um, and folks, if you guys have any 
additional topics or other things that you think we, or, you know, actually questions, you know, we haven't done a, a, a Q and a in a while, man. Uh, if yeah, you guys have you're any right. questions, yeah. please send them our way on any of the topics we've talked about. Um, and please continue to rate and review us. Uh, oh, sorry. I should say our email address is a, uh, a word about wealth at gmail.com and uh, please rate and review us wherever you can. And, you know, we'll talk to you next time. All right. Uh, thanks everybody. Take care and stay safe out there.